0: Welcome back to another episode of Stepping Up Podcast. I'm your host Nikki Kingrick. and if this is your first time here, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited you decided to join us and if you're returning, thank you so much for being a listener, for joining in on the journey and being a part of the conversation. Today I have a really, really great, great interview for you and I know I say that every time. But I get really, really lucky, and I'm so grateful for the wonderful women and men that I get to interview on my podcast, and today is no different. I get to sit down and have a chat with Rachel Dash Dougherty, a.k.a. the Grounded Therapist. Gosh, just her her title alone makes me go, oh. Um, She is a licensed clinical social worker, a 200-hour yoga teacher, She specializes in helping women manage and move beyond imposter syndrome. We have a huge conversation all around imposter syndrome on the podcast uh, to help women realize their power and self-worth through science-backed strategies to improve mental and physical strength. So Rachel brings in her, you know, knowledge as a, as a licensed clinical social worker, and all of the education that she has received and she connects that with the mind and the body and being grounded and really joins these two practices together. Uh, We talk about the difference between being a therapist and being a coach. She is both. Uh, She talks about the difference between those two things and what her work means and We really, as I said before, dive deep into this imposter syndrome uh, that plagues so many of us, basically all of us, and works through how we can recognize the imposter syndrome and how we can move past it. So let's get into this interview with Rachel, and I just want to thank Rachel for being on the podcast and for sharing um, her knowledge and her time with us here. So here is Rachel Dash Doherty, aka The Grounded Therapist. All right, well, welcome to the Stepping Up Podcast. I am so excited today because we have an amazing, amazing guest with us. Her name is Rachel Dash Dougherty, and she is the grounded therapist. And I was doing some background and doing some research and reading about Rachel and what she does and I know that we're going to have an incredible conversation today and I know that she's going to bring so much value to all of you who listen and all of you working moms out there and I'm just so excited to, to hear from Rachel and have her share her wisdom and knowledge and grace us with her presence on the podcast today. So Rachel, thank you so, so much for joining me today. I'm so excited.
1: Yeah, you're so welcome. I'm happy we got to connect. And uh, we're both sort of in similar positions of being working moms and being at home and, you know, managing our lives and our children and all of the things that go with all of those pieces. So I'm really glad to be here.
0: Awesome. Yes. And we are both, we both had a conversation before we started of where are the kids right now? And we might get interrupted. It, you know, it, it is what it is. And everybody who's listening totally understands. That's the best part about it. Everybody gets it. So tell us a little bit about you and about the work that you do as the Grounded Therapist.
1: Yeah. So uh, like I said, you said, I'm Rachel Dashaku, the grounded therapist, and I run a private practice in Mystic, Connecticut. That's where I do my, or I was before the pandemic doing uh, face-to-face in-person sessions. Now they're all telehealth for safety for everybody. Um, And as things start to, you know, open up, maybe we'll see people in person. Probably not since my daycare has not opened up yet, but we'll see. So um, yeah, I work really uh, to work on self-esteem, you know, getting rid of our doubt and imposter syndrome, all of the guilt that comes along with being a woman, being a mom, being a partner, all of the multiple roles that we have to juggle as women in our society. And so I work on breaking that down and being absolutely done, done with that. We got to break up with it, it's like I like to say. So, um, and you know, I do coaching and I do therapy. And so they're sort of different, but very similar, same audience, just different sort of ways about going through that process.
0: Awesome. So on that note, and I think this is important because I don't think a lot of people fully understand. so as a therapist who also does coaching, mm-hmm. can you kind of explain the difference between the two?
1: Yes and no. I'm going to do my best. I'm relatively new to the coaching world. That's sort of been a new addition to my, my practice. But what... Yeah. And one, you could pay with uh, insurance to see a therapist because there's a lot of evidence-based practices. Um, I think there's a lot less regulation in coaching. So there's sort of a freedom and also a restriction in both because I can incorporate yoga. I'm a 200-hour yoga teacher and I can incorporate that without any fear of retribution, audits, et cetera, in my coaching work. Whereas with insurance companies, they don't recognize it as a evidence-based model. A few progressive ones do, but it's relatively new. And I, there is actual scientific evidence. I've taken trainings on it. So I know it to be true, but insurance companies haven't quite bought in. And so in clients who come to me through insurance can't get that extra service. And so that's sort of how I see the difference is there's a little bit of freedom in coaching, but there's also a little bit more technically science and evidence-based practices that have been vetted for years and years, which Has baggage too um, in therapy, and so there's there are several different components. Um, But mostly, it's thought work. So that's where it does overlap, right? We're breaking down our thoughts, our feelings, our body sensations, our circumstances, right? The results that we're having in both coaching and therapy. It's to explain. I wish I could. I wish I was doing a better job. But um, yeah, there are some differences. I do take comfort in the regulation of therapy and like knowing that I have to take all this training and I have a license I have to keep and it could be taken away. Um, But coaching, again, there's a lot of freedom and stuff that we know works, but we maybe don't have the evidence for, or I can't convince an insurance company to approve, but it does make it a bit more accessible in some ways for therapy. So there's good and bad for both.
0: Yeah, no, that's an awesome, that is a great way to kind of describe it because I think, So many people ask that question and as coaching becomes more prevalent, you kind of people go, well, what is it? I I did a speech recently. I'm a part of Toastmasters and I did a a speech about coaching and I had someone in the club go, okay, you've kind of helped me to understand it a little bit more and why I might actually want a coach. And there's always a range of coaches, business coaches, life coaches, uh, so many kind of, but like, as you said, that regulation isn't there. So it's up to you right. to find the person that you trust and know that is doing the work themselves and getting the trainings and, and things like that to really understand Absolutely. before you hire somebody.
1: Mm-hmm. So. For sure. There's a little bit more vetting work that has go into it. Plus like a coach couldn't hospitalize somebody, right? like for serious persistent mental health, chronic mental health trouble, right? That a therapist is the only person and a, you know, someone who can prescribe two separate people generally speaking, um, would be where you want to, you know, where you want to go. So it's sort of figuring that out. Um, like I've heard uh, Karen Loa Karen Lowe and uh podcast, and she talked about OCD, like compulsive behavior, right? And a coach can work on like light compulsive behavior where you're using it to like manage your own feelings. But if it's something where it impairs your functioning, right? She had like a your uh like breakdown at the end of each episode about like when you should call a therapist and I thought that was kind of really revealing about the differences is that when it's a persistent function appearing you can't get out of your house you can't get out of bed right then those are the times where it's really important to call a therapist
0: that's awesome thank you so much for that kind of sure. overview <laughs> explanation and and I I agree I think there's times for where I've hired coaches and then there's times where I've been like I think I need to go see Like I need to go talk to somebody. I need to go see a therapist. This is beyond the scope of what a coach can do for me, uh, which Mm -hmm. is amazing. So tell me, let's have this conversation about imposter syndrome. And you had mentioned it. I know we had mentioned it kind of in our back and forth in your email and Mm -hmm. really just share kind of what you teach and how you help women kind of get out of that imposter syndrome that really comes back.
1: Yeah. Let's talk about it. So What is imposter syndrome first? I I sort of was under the assumption that everybody knew what that was. It's sort of a more modern thing, but not really. We've been experiencing it probably as long as humans have existed. And so, working through that and kind of understanding the definition, it's really about believing that that any moment, right? Like the imposter place are going to show up at your door and be like, be a mom. You shouldn't own a business. What are you doing here? We've caught you, right? This like bursting through the door analogy of trying to explain why you shouldn't get or have what you have, right? Because you're not, you're not doing it. And those, those forces don't exist. They exist in our heads, right? At any moment, this is going to, your boss is going to come in. I knew it. You don't know what you're doing. (laughs) And that's not true. It's just thoughts. It's thoughts and feelings and neurons firing in our brains. And they make us feel less worthy than we are. And women in particular seem to be affected by this right we'll always be the first to go get more training credentialing right like like for coaching for me as an example right i have zero coach training but i have a master's degree in behavioral health right in social social services and social sciences and that should be enough plus the endless amount of training i've had to go through since and the amount of internship hours right but even then like i will say oh man, I don't, I do not know what I'm doing. I have a YouTube video where I remember I reflected on sitting with um, a client who was telling me their story, like had clearly been in my office, was paying for this appointment, right? Like billing their insurance. And I remember having the thought of, oh, this, this person should talk to somebody and remembering that it's me, right? They're in my office to talk to me about the thing that I am really Concerned about, right? And I'm wondering if I can help them. And I took a breath and I kept listening and I remembered that I totally know what I'm doing and they called me. I approved the appointment, right? Like it wasn't a surprise that they were there and that I could totally help them. But there are these moments of doubt when you're like, oh, do I know what I'm doing? Like, is this something I should be helping, managing, whatever, intervening on? And the answer is probably yes. But it's, it's good to question it. But really, that's the imposter syndrome coming in. Those are doubts, beliefs, messages we've been socialized with that kind of creep in, right? And we can, if we're aware and conscious of them, we can, like, no problem. We can handle it, especially if we don't believe that. It's when we start to believe it and wonder, like, oh, yeah, well, I had this thought. That must mean it's true, <laughs> which is, it's not. It's not at all. That's not what it's about. So
0: how do we become conscious. I mean, those beliefs are there and they're going to, like you said, they're going to creep in. And I think a lot of times we don't always realize it. And we just, we just kind of believe that we believe the belief in our mind. So how do we start to become aware of this isn't real. This is just me sabotaging myself and doubting myself.
1: So there are a bunch of different ways that, you know, want me, meditation, right, like doing a thought work, journaling, any time that you are fully present with yourself and paying attention to the thoughts, which means it probably has to be quiet, right, which is hard for us moms, I totally get it. So sometimes, like, I'll encourage people, like, when you wake up, if you can get up before your kids get up, right, and just take a couple of five Write down what's going on in your head, or close your eyes and take a breath. Be sitting upright because you will fall back to sleep. I promise. I've done it. But being present with the thoughts in your head—that's all it is. So whether it's writing it down or just noticing them and being present with yourself—is how you can start to notice that those thoughts are coming, right? Because all day long, our brains are working, right? Our minds are firing left and right because that's what they're supposed to do, right? And if they're not, then we have some like medical problems probably going on, right? So mostly. Anyone who's awake and present and functioning has thoughts running through their mind all day long. Well, it's when we assign meaning to them that it really starts this process of potential doubt and imposter syndrome. So when we're aware of them, we can go, oh, yeah, I saw that. But the thought before that was, oh, where's my dog? And like, who's taking him to the vet later? And where's the Tupperware? And, right. And we decide that we, we pay attention, usually to the negative ones, right? Like, oh, I'm a terrible person. I'm a terrible mom. I'm a terrible therapist. I'm a terrible business person. I don't know what I'm doing. But we don't pay attention to, oh, what's that sound? And, you know, where am I going later? And remember, I went to school, right? Like all of the things that go through our minds all day long that are just like kind of, I like the analogy of um, cars on a highway, right? They're going all the time. We assign meaning to some of them, the ones that maybe stand out, maybe are more extreme. But that doesn't mean we should assign meaning to them. They don't have any greater weight than any of the other thoughts.
0: I love that analogy. Cars on a highway.
1: Yeah. And and you know, thoughts, right? Traffic jams, there's jams of thoughts, right? Sometimes there's space between our thoughts, which is amazing. Meditation can really help with that. And so can thought work of just creating a little space between them all so we could pay attention and go, oh, okay, like you know, white four tourists, white four tourists crown vic right? like kind of basic cars and then like the fancy ones, we assign meaning to them, but doesn't mean we should. But if we're aware of them, we can kind of put those together and also notice patterns. If we're not aware of what's going on, we don't see the patterns we don't we don't catch that stuff and we don't catch that we assign meaning to things right no one's doubting when you're happy or like when you've accomplished something right you're not like oh maybe i shouldn't be happy or like this joyful moment i'm having no this can't be real right like we mostly don't doubt those we roll with that because we like to be happy but if it's sad or judgmental or telling especially critical of ourselves we are all in it women we are like yes this must be a defining thought that's happening for me Oh,
0: I know. And we just, we just sabotage ourselves. So if we For find sure. ourselves on this, this highway of these thoughts and we start to become aware of them and you're like, I'm constantly looking at myself in the mirror and being like, oh, you're so ugly. And then you're like, oh, I, I, I did it again. And yeah. so once you find yourself kind of on that, that thought highway, how do you then start to say, I want to start shifting this?
1: Yeah. And how do well, we kind so- of make
0: that shift?
1: yeah so awareness is a huge part and once you get there that's amazing that's going to be that's a lot of work on its own right of finding the time and the space to pay attention but then great like so gold uh, therapy gold stars as i like to say right like great job you've got the awareness then it's sort of questioning the noticing the patterns right so looking in the mirror it's a great example if you find yourself doing those negative ones i want you to check the facts of that belief. So I use um, full of analogies. That's what half a therapy is. It's analogies. So when you were like, I use um, judge Judy, right? So she's from New York. So am I, she wants, she's from Brooklyn. So am I. And so I'm a big fan and she doesn't take anything. No crap happens in her courtroom, right? You need receipts, you need proof, you need all kinds of evidence. And so if you put that thought up there, I want you to bring your receipts, right? What proof do you have that that's true? Probably none. But like, we'll let's go. Like, honor the doubt, honor the thought what is the evidence you have is true, right? So if I'm ugly, like, have I ever dated anyone? Has anyone told me that I'm attractive? Have I ever felt attractive ever? And the answer is probably going to be yes, though our minds would like us to go, no, no one's ever dated us or loved us or not even our parents, right? Like they, it'll just give you lots and lots of new fuel for that fire. But the way to question it and like poke at it is by having evidence against it. Because it can't be true if you have any evidence against it. Judge Judy would not tolerate that in her courtroom. And so if you can break it down, it's really over time, right? Because if you think, if you've been doing this for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, it's going to take more than a week of like doing this work, right? I was going to make a joke about positive mantras, but right, anything that you do is not going to happen immediately. You've been doing it a long time the other way. So over time, you'll break down those loops, right? Those patterns in our brains, those neurons that are firing, they will go on a different path once you start questioning them, right? Because if we've been believing them and unconscious of them for years and years and years, it's going to take a little bit of time to undo because brains don't like to, you know, change very quickly. Anxious minds don't like to change quickly either, just like toddlers. Our brains are like, they don't want to hear it. (laughs) They don't want to hear anything. <laughs> no. no, they know it all, right? They know it all. Yes. They don't like hearing no and doing it differently, but you have to be consistent.
0: Yeah, no, and I, I, I find that so true. And sometimes it's so hard and, you know, you're doing this work and then I think you'll find yourself. And I, I find this in myself where you're doing it and you're like, I'm trying, I'm breaking this. I'm going to break this habit. And then it's, I even said it to my husband the other day. I said, I feel like I took 10 steps forward. And then I took like four steps back. It's like, I'm doing that's all this work. still six,
1: right? And, Is that and that's same? what I
0: mean. It's He goes, it's still positive six. I said, I know, but it still kind of hurts your, you know, it's like a punch in the gut. You're like, God, totally. but I'm just going to uh, keep going forward. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. But you have to, right? Because what other choice do you have? You can go back to feeling like crap all the time and doubting and questioning, or you can keep moving forward. Yeah. And yeah, um thinking... That thinking about like relapse, right, you know, it comes out of an addiction world, but any change that we're trying to make, our minds do not want to do it, right? We are evolutionarily designed to do the same thing over and over to avoid danger. So when we change something, our minds freak out, they don't want to change. Right? We want to keep it consistent, right? Chaos is not a thing that we really enjoy. Some people might, but I'm gonna question that, right? We love consistency. We thrive in that and doing the same thing. And so when we change, it's so uncomfortable. So that's part of that process. And also like um, when you're thinking about the breakdown of a thought and like a neural pathway, sometimes stuff's gonna fire on the old tracks, right? It's just gonna happen. And so if you, again, that's assigning meaning to it. Like this, right? I went, if I went 10 steps forward and four back, I gained six. Yeah, but the four, what about the four, right? Like you assign meaning to it. Suddenly it's harder to keep going when you can go, yeah, okay. My brain doesn't want to change, but I'm ready to like outsmart my own mind. And so you can keep going, right? But not assigning meaning to it. Like it means nothing at all. It just means you have to keep going like we all do.
0: Yeah, and we like to assign meaning to those thoughts in our mind.
1: Totally.
0: Something, but they don't. They don't. They I mean. They're, and I think once, once I realized that, that was a big thing for me of realizing it's just a thought. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything. It's literally a thought. And yep. like you said, cars on the highway, it's just going to keep going. And if yep. I allow it to keep going, then all of a sudden a new thought's going to pop up and I yep, can let over that time. other one go.
1: Yes, because if it's not serving you, really, it's such a cliche. If it's not serving you, it's time to go, right? Even during this pandemic, like Friday mornings, I'm like, oh, what am I doing, right? I have these like big existential Friday morning crises. Okay, well, one, there's a pattern. It's totally Fridays. It's during a pandemic, during a time when we're realizing all of these different distresses that people have been suffering from. Okay, I'm doing all right, right? Like, I'm healthy, my family's okay. Like, I'm fortunate enough to still have a job and be my own boss. So, I don't have to go back to my office if I don't want to, right? Like, there's plenty of things that I'm doing right and I'm doing well. And so, if I'm gonna just like burn it all down because of that, I haven't helped anybody and I certainly haven't helped myself. And I won't be able to help anybody in the future, right? So, it's just noticing it, questioning it, and then continuing to move on. Um, And it's called an extinction burst, what you're describing, like it has a name, it's a thing in understanding neurology or neuropathways and all of how our brains work, relapse or extinction bursts, right? It's like a fight, like your brain being like, just checking, are you sure you don't want to go back? Because wasn't it great when we felt terrible and we're comfy, right? Wasn't that great? Do you remember that? And so not allowing that to be Anything other than this is just a neurological experience that I'm having, right? This is just a thought and it means nothing.
0: I've never heard that term extinction burst, but it does yep. make me feel better to know that it is a thing and it does have it's a name. It's a
1: thing. Yes, right? It has several, several names, right? And it comes out of research of understanding addiction, but it's, and just understanding brains, but it's, it's a thing and you're just a regular, good, you're human, not an a, not in a tata, not a robot or anything. So now, you know, it's a good way to test that too. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. I love that. And to say, you know, we're all going to move forward. And I do, you feel like it. You're like, is this just like a a little test of, like, are you sure you want to go in this direction? Like, that's what I felt like. And I was like, no, I'm sure. So we're going to keep going. We're going to keep (laughs) moving. We're going to move past this. That's awesome. So thank you so much for sharing all that. So tell me how, and and I think I find this interesting because kind of how my journey goes of, you've now got your own business, you're working on your own, but that wasn't always the way. You've kind of had some career transitions that I've kind of heard. So can I explain a little bit, and I think a lot of this does go back into that imposter syndrome of pulling out of saying, I'm an employee, now I'm an entrepreneur, changing and pivoting careers. Kind of explain to us a little bit kind of your, your journey through those career pivots and transitions.
1: Oh, totally. Um, So both my parents were teachers, they worked for the city of New York, right? So they had a relatively stable uh, employer, right? So and I come from a family of like city employees, right? People who wanted to help and be part of their community and a lot of nonprofit work, working for the New York City, like most of my family. Very tragic, right? Like, so they had a sort of traditional trajectory. And that was like what I thought, you know, the world does. I don't know anyone who owns a business, but I, so I went to college, had no idea what I wanted to do, Um, ended up in nonprofit fundraising for a very zigzaggy path. And I did not like that at all, but it was what people would hire me to do. And it was on my resume. So I I just kept going with it, not happy. Uh, And then the 2008 financial crisis (laughs) came upon us all and I lost my job. And I was rehired by the same company at a much lower pay because they just had an opening and, you know, they were laying off all these people and they felt terrible. So they, they found a space for me. Thank goodness, which is a nice you know cushion transition during that time. That was like half my salary at the time. Um, and in that moment, while looking for better pay and, you know, a job consistent with my education, I was like, maybe this is not what I want to be doing. Not really. You know, I was paying them my bills sort of in New York city, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to help. I knew that much, but I wasn't directly helping people. Right. In fundraising, you're like keeping the lights on and keeping programs running and paying people, but you're not out there helping anybody. And so I was trying to figure out how to do that. And I, with, a variety of Google searches and for talking to friends, I decided to go back to grad school and my master's in social work to be an advocate, right. To understand human behavior and be an advocate. So I did that and then went into, so you have to intern. Um, so I worked at homeless shelters and rehabs and I worked with some really challenging people in really hard places and saw a lot of stuff. It just devastating and just the hardships that people face and so I was really felt incredible being able to help and um, I ended up in Connecticut with my then you know boyfriend fiance now husband for his job transition Um, he works in the music industry and not a lot of people or places in the music industry so we ended up in Connecticut so I was working in community mental health And I loved where I was working. It was amazing. I had a great team. But once I had my daughter, that was the beginning of the end of community mental health for me because the the burnout rate is so high. And even though I worked at a wonderful place that was really supportive and really was committed to not letting us burn out, I was still burning out anyway. Uh, And so after four and a half years, uh, I started doing part-time private practice, working for other people. So I just, you know, showed up, did some therapy and left. It was, you know easy in giant air quotes, if you can't see me right now, Uh, easy in the sense of the people's problems were a little bit less challenging, right? I didn't have to find those clients like I do now. And I got, uh, you know, the bug for that. I was really into being able to help people who were ready to make change, have the resources to make change, not everybody, but um, a majority of those people, because that's where the burnout can come from is just having to constantly roll a ball up a hill and, Once I saw I can make my own schedule and I had my daughter, I realized I needed for right now specifically to be in a place where I could take care of her, take care of my family and make my own schedule and be my own boss. And I'm kind of a rebel and I'm very bad with bosses. So I've had some great ones, but I just am not great at listening to the rules sometimes. So, um, you know, my husband and I, we crunched some numbers and I ended up deciding to expand my, you know, small part-time private practice of like six clients to, I think my goal was 20 or 25 to make up for my salary and I did that in about three months I think that was my goal. It's been a little while. Um, and so I you know from then on I've had several offices. I've built up my caseload even bigger. I actually have taking on um, two therapists to work for me to take some of my referrals just because especially with daycare, I just have less without daycare I have less time to support my clients. And so um, it's really exciting and it's just so nice to be my own boss. So it comes for sure with its own set of pressures. I look back like, why was I so stressed out? I didn't have to pay any bills for my company. I didn't have to like know where the money was coming from or support other people. I just could have like shown up, did my job and left. And I, you know, I'm an overachiever. So I am a classic overthinker, And so I was constantly like trying to come up with stuff for the agency to do and be on committees. And it's like, why was I so stressed out? None of those things were hard. Hindsight is 2020, but it led me onto this path. So um, here I am today, and I'm expanding into online. That's partly how we connected. Is I'm trying to do coaching and potentially therapy online to reach more people. And especially with coaching, that's such another difference we didn't talk about is state limitations. I'm a great therapist no matter what state I'm in right doesn't matter but licensing wise you can only be a great therapist in the state you're licensed in and it costs a lot of money and there's tests involved to get licensed in other states so you're just very limited in, in your work like I can work with anyone in Connecticut but that's it And coaching there's no limitations there that's another thing so I promise I'm a great therapist in every other state and every other country but no one else agrees yet. So that's <laughs> the way things are heading with insurance because of the mobile n- nature of our communities, but not yet. Yeah. Uh, and so I can do that. I can offer my services to everybody.
0: That's, that's very interesting. Yeah. I didn't realize that. And I guess, I mean, it makes sense because that's how it is for really most of the, really right. Business. Like your doctor
1: you insurance has to
0: be, insurance. yeah, you're certified mm-hmm. in that state, but you know what? Yep. If Connecticut says you're a good therapist, then I think Pennsylvania would also say that you're a good therapist.
1: Totally. But,
0: like legally, you, you can't do that. So coaching That's allows correct. you to help serve people in another way mm. online, yep. which is amazing. Yes.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: That's awesome.
1: Uh, so I think that's all the points of my story. Yeah. Um, and especially during the pandemic, I've never been more grateful to be able to you know, be home, be with my family. And you know, my husband and I were trading off watching our kid and um, he's working from home too. And, you know, two hours on, two hours off right? of watching our kid and then working and watching our kid. And now we've got some help um, as things have lifted. So that's, that's been amazing and very fortunate to be able to do that so we can work more, but it's been and a trip. I hear you. <laughs> We were,
0: we were in the same boat of you're going to work. I would get up early and work and my husband would work. And now we're mm-hmm.
1: both,
0: he's back a little bit, but still not full-time. I still, I work part-time, so I'm still out of the office, but then, it, so it's like, we're in this daze of we're figuring it out and it's yeah. all good, you know, but you do, mm-hmm. you figure it out. And then at the same time saying, so grateful for being able to do this all online, you know?
1: Yeah. Not being pressured to go back. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
0: So explain to me a little bit what that transition, ooh, transition was like for you. I mean, I I have like a zigzaggy career as well. And I, mm-hmm. I always say I couldn't stay at a job for more than five years. So if someone looked at my resume, they'd I was just very transient and it was because I was constantly searching for my path. So Mm -hmm. in that same way of like, well, what is it, what do I want to do? And I want to try here. And I think so many women get stuck at, but I can't like so many women. And I'm sure you've talked to some, you know, of thinking I want to do this, but, but I can't, I don't know where to start. And we just kind of stop ourselves from doing it. So what was it for you or what would you really say to someone who's saying I'm unhappy with, with my job and my work-life balance and I need to make a shift, but I've got, you know, or I wanna start a business, but I have no idea what to do. And they're kind of sitting in this this hole of uh, kind of going over things in their head and not taking any action. I think that's where a lot of people get stuck in our heads and then we actually don't take action on it. I mean, that's a big step to, to go back to school and to completely Blow up your whole
1: life and start over. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've done it several times. Um, Yeah. So let me thinking. um, So yeah, action is huge. Right. And that's actually, I just um, did a video on the stages of change and readiness. Right. And if you think about figuring out where you are, right. And then where are you going? So visualizing where you're going and not in like the Woo woo, where are rainbows and unicorns way? But really, what does that look like, right? Does that mean I have to get a babysitter at night for two hours so I can find five seconds of peace? And also to sort of vi- take that time to visualize it, like one night a week, right? Could you afford to have somebody watch your kid? Or could you have your partner watch your kids so that you can make this plan? Can you use your lunch hours? Like, where can you find a little bit of time? to really focus on what that can look like and figure out where you are, right? You, you're describing action, but I, I wonder where people really are. Do they know that there's a thing that they want to do or they just know they're not happy, right? It's so like, where are you in those phases of change, right? There's pre-contemplation and contemplation. And um, I'm going to forget all the other steps, right? But in contemplation, right? Like we're aware that there's a problem and we know we want to do something about it, but we're not quite sure what to do or if we're ready because it's really scary. Like we talked about, it's really uncomfortable. It's messy. I definitely lost a lot of sleep in the many times that I've transitioned my career because, right? Like I have lots of school debt to pay off, right? Like, where's that money coming from? I own a home, right? Like money providing my own pride gets in there too, right? Like let's not discount that. And so it's, it's really making a plan and carving out that time and really visualizing where the next steps are. And it doesn't mean you have to have your five-year business plan ready, but Starting to figure out who your community is, or if I wish someone had told me to build my audience a lot sooner, that was a big misstep on my part. Even though I'm sure people did, I just didn't hear it right. Like, yeah. what are the next action steps? What free podcast can you listen to? I assure you, I listen to a ton of them still. But I listen to every private practice podcast I could get my hands on for free. Every yeah. Facebook group, because I overdo everything. But also, I wanted to know, and I didn't want to spend any money, right? So if I can get, I could get a clear visual. Um, I asked. I met with people, I'm an introvert, I would rather talk to zero people, I promise, but I met with other therapists who were doing it, right? How on, and I asked them, how on earth are you doing this? Right, like, do you have kids? How much do you make? And surprisingly, people were happy to, you know, talk to me. I love talking about myself. You guys can all call me and ask me stuff, but um, and I'll be happy to tell you. But really, people did not mind finding the time, or you know, if they and if they said no, then they're probably not great people either, or they're just super busy. So ask, right? Like, what could this look like for me? What podcast can you listen to in your field? Right? What inspiration can you draw from? So it's kind of figuring out like where you are in the present, and then what action steps are next towards like that super big visual goal, right? Um, Brooke Castillo talks about uh, impossible goals, right? Like today, losing 100 pounds, I don't have to lose 100 pounds, but right, like thinking about 100 pounds, you can't lose that today and you can't lose it tomorrow, but you can prep a meal figure out what food, you know, snacking at night is for you or like whatever those challenges are, you can do that from tonight to tomorrow on your impossible goal mission, right? Down the road. So I think it's recognizing and being really compassionate with yourself, that, right? Like, so my goal was 20 or 25 clients in three months. I think I ended up with 16, right? So like, I wasn't far, I wasn't close. I, mean, I was, I didn't actually do it, but I got really close. But if I didn't have that 20, I wouldn't have known that 16 was pretty good, right? And it continued to grow from there, right? If I had gotten five, I would have known like, well, I'm missing a piece, right? So like setting these small and accomplishable goals and also having a vision of what that's gonna look like is really helpful. And you're not supposed to know all the answers either. You gotta gotta ask for sure. And remember, it's gonna be super uncomfortable. So when you're uncomfortable, it's not a sign that something's wrong or you're doing it incorrectly. It's just change is so hard and so humbling. So humbling. So, humbling. So, uh, yeah,
0: <laughs> so humbling. you know, <laughs> and I've, I've done did, it a I thousand
1: did, times. Yeah.
0: I did the same thing when I, when I quit my job, I reached out to a bunch of people and just said, I'm doing this. I, I was hoping you might, and there was people I didn't know. Sure. I mean, I was really taking a risk and some people got back to me and some people didn't and some people and, but most people were just so happy to share. So,
1: totally and also check out your competitors i'm not above that like i know who does what i do and i look at what they do and see if they have you know definitely have clearly been successful and like seeing what they're up to i check out other people's hashtags because i didn't understand hashtags for a long time right i took lots of people's free challenges and figured it out and then also figuring out what you can delegate over time right like Mm -hmm. And yeah, hashtags, what? So, right, like I I ask people and I've hired a couple of people for help for different things. I have a wonderful assistant, right? And um, when I took on new therapists, I'm like, I can't answer the phone for three therapists. So I had to hire somebody or contract somebody for billing because insurance is all about advocating for yourself if you take it and they're going to try to not pay you at every turn. So I have to have somebody who advocates for me with them to make sure I'm getting paid and also check, you know, all the ever changing fee schedules and stuff. Right. So like I had to spend a little money, but now I can be assured I'm getting all of the money that I'm supposed to get. Uh, right. And so um, remembering that it's not just me being like amazing. Right. Like I have a team of people that support me and that came with time and growth. But like, if I didn't have that trajectory or visual, I would never have known that. And I learned that from the podcast, right? Like I didn't, I thought everyone was like one person doing all of the work <laughs> because that's what it sounds like. Yeah. It's not and true. And that's not
0: the case at all, ever, no. really. No, no. no, there's always somebody in the background, even if it's a, a spouse or a friend or totally. Like, it's that's, a graphic designer or something, somebody yep. somewhere is helping you with something. yeah Yeah.
1: so like remembering it's not you alone and also that you can you can ask right ask for help asking other people and that that's a help is really uncomfortable and I don't like it but you have to get really good at it to be a mom right like I didn't know what I was doing and still don't but you know you ask you look around you join the Facebook group you listen to the podcast and then you wing it right and you do the best you can You figure it out.
0: So one last question, and we didn't get to dive into this, but I do would love you to kind of share a little bit about it of why you call yourself the grounded therapist. I'd love to kind of dive in a little bit there.
1: Totally. So, uh, I mentioned several times I'm from New York City. I'm from a very loud, very chatty Jewish family. And so we talk over each other. It's the same as an Italian family. We're all the same, we all come from the same place. Uh, And so, right, like very loud, we talk over each other, no one's listening and it's just fast paced all the time. And so when I, especially when I moved to Connecticut, I really put it together that no one needs to talk that loud that fast or like be moving in such a way, though I still pride myself on all of those things. I also am always, always on a journey to slow it down and pay attention and listen and be present. And that's that's where grounding came from. Like when I learned about grounding, it blew my mind. Uh, blew it open. And I was like, okay, this is something I need to constantly be teaching my clients about and myself about all the time. And so I decided to make that part of my name, because it's just so important. And I don't know if anyone... I had never heard of it before getting into therapy. And I, in being involved in yoga, grounding is really big there too. And so um, I wanted to make sure I like share the knowledge that you don't have to talk a million miles an hour and move at a million miles an hour and think at a million miles an hour because you miss so much information. I would be the worst therapist if I moved at the speed that I used to because so I would miss all of these like subtle things that my clients share or non-verbally share, right. Or unintentionally share. And um, so you need to, we all need to slow it down. Also, that's how you can pay attention to your thoughts. If you slow it down, except <laughs> so we're on a podcast and you're super excited, then it's fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> then it's okay. And it's like, cause I'm the same way. Like I'm an Italian. I talk very fast. I'm right? mm-hmm. always on the go, go, go. And when I started, like it was a really hard for me to train myself to stop slow down and listen. And it's, it's hard, but it's, Ah, I even, I did it this morning. I woke up and I jumped right into my computer because a thought popped into my head and I was like, I need to do this real quick. And I got sucked in to that, like, oh, let me just do this. And then let me do this. And then I went, I need to stop. I need to step to the side. I need to meditate. I need to, and then I came back completely, completely shifted, but it is, it's sometimes we need to get out of that go, go, go so that we can listen
1: to what's go- actually going on in our head. Yeah, and rest, right? Like, whoa, right? Our kids get to nap, what, why can't we nap? <laughs> why don't what, we?
0: What?
1: Why don't we get to nap? And culturally, we are very against napping, but I am super big on encouraging people to nap because we need to rest, we'll have better results. We really will, and my husband is definitely a person who needs to remind me to do that too. it's like, close your eyes. Okay, okay, right, right. Rest, right? There's so much study on how, so much research on how sleep can really impact us. And so that falls under grounding for me too, is just the slowing down and sometimes like full on resting of our brains and our bodies, because that's when we repair, right? Yeah. And we gotta let it go. That is another big one for grounding is being able to just like let whatever's beneath you take all of it, all of your stress, all of your energy, all of your anxiety. You just like, yeah, you know what? The ground could take it. My like, yeah. Whatever color carpet I'm sitting on like this it can handle it the floor can handle it and the dirt can handle it and the trees can handle it and whatever's beneath you me, my meditation cushion can take it I don't need to carry it right I'm like letting that go
0: Oh that's amazing I love that I, I love everything about you your story <laughs> your journey you. <laughs> what you're teaching and sharing with people and how you're how you're helping so tell us how folks can find you, follow you, connect with you, work with you, yeah. all those things.
1: I have a brand new, super fancy updated website, which you don't need in the beginning of your career, by the way, that's why I did it now, right? Like, but it's fancy now. Uh, it's groundedtherapist.com and you can find me on Instagram at Grounded Therapist. I also have a free Facebook group, called Break you, like the letter U. Uh, and it's a free Facebook group where we work on a lot of these skills. Um, and then, you know, you can have the opportunity to work with me, you know, individually or in group coaching in the future. So if you're in there, you'll get all of those, you know, access to all of those emails earlier than everybody else. So
0: awesome. get in there. Yeah, thank you so much. And we'll share all those links in the show notes. We'll share, we'll, you know, share all your stuff, will sure. all your links, all your Facebook, all your group, all your, all your really exciting things. So Rachel, I just want to say thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for being here with me and, and for sharing everything. I just, I really, really appreciate it. So
1: thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited and glad and grateful thank you for joining me on the Stepping Up
0: podcast. If you loved this episode, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast on iTunes so that we can share this message with more and more people. Together, let's redefine what life as a working mom looks like and feels like. Until next time, have a great one.